Hey guys, listen, I'm away in Ohio doing a wedding, but I wanted to take a few moments because my bishop, my pastor, my dad, really, uh, both in ministry and in life, is going to be ministering to you guys today. And I just wanted to make sure that I personally just presented him to the NBCC community. The fact of the matter is, I wouldn't be the pastor of NBCC. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bishop Donald Green. I walked into his office about 25 years ago. I was so nervous I had on mismatched shoes. In either case, he opened up his heart. God bonded us together. And he has opened door after door after door. Uh, and has loved me, uh, claimed me, and blessed me. And uh, I, I just love him. And so one of the best gifts that I give to NBCC uh, is to ask him to just come and minister to us uh, as the Lord leads him. So would you be kind enough and just put your hands together and celebrate this guy who I love with all my heart, Bishop Donald Green. Now I would feel better if you just give Jesus a hand. He's the greatest. Amen. I'm certainly glad to be here today. And, you know, uh, at my age, these three services are a little tough, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm enjoying the Lord. Amen. And I'm glad to see you that are here. I esteem your pastor, Hamilton, is such a great man of God, such a dynamic speaker and a communicator. Uh, he's, God has really gifted him, and I just think it an honor to be here in the pulpit today, his pulpit, I would call it, and I'm just glad to be here. And I'm certainly glad to have my wife with me here today. In so many ways, she is responsible for me being able to be here because she prayed, me, prayed for me when I wasn't walking with God until the Lord saved my soul, and I give God praise for that. <laughs> this year we are celebrating 60 years of marriage. I want Betty to stand up here. <laughs> now, evidently, I don't know what's going on. In the other services, the other two services, she was sitting about three rows behind me. And I got up and I said, I'm certainly glad she's sitting three rows behind me. I want to remember that. But I said I shouldn't have said that because now she's sitting right up in front. <laughs> but the Lord is so good, church. And I don't know what God's going to do and how he's going to do it as we keep moving along. You know, we somewhat retired from, uh, not from ministry, from pastoring that we pastored uh, the church for 45 years and we have retired from that area but we still move it along trying to do what we can do for the kingdom of God I was thinking the other day about how we move around and do the day and about service just service just service and I, I reflected back I got a few folks here my age I see I believe I didn't say you look my age. I said I got a few that remember my age. But can you remember the time when uh, gas was cheap, but service was good? 
you would pull up to the gas station and service station and they would fill up your uh, tank and they would wash your windows. They would check the air in your tires and on. That's gone. That's no more. Gas is higher and you get less service. You go to the department stores today and you look around and you have to find someone in many of the stores to help you. And then have you ever gone to a restaurant to, to eat and then you're sitting there and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and then the, the waiter or the waitress will come along and they have an attitude. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> you know, you want to go give up and say, well, forget it, never mind. But it's something about service today and what's going on today that folks don't really want to serve. Don't really want to do certain things. They do it, they say, because I have to. And then they want to tip on top of that. And it used to be, you know, you give 10%, but now they give you something on, the ta- on, your, on your bill. It says 15%, 18%, or 20%. And then, I'm the only one who has seen that. I'm the only one who that. Things have changed. Folks have changed. And many times we have forgotten how to treat a person, how to treat one another. Isn't that true? This morning, uh, this afternoon, I should say, we want to look at the passage of Scripture and talk a little bit in a moment about the attitude of a servant. Let's stand together. Uh, Let's look at John 13. I'm going to just read three verses. And you can read the, ver- the rest at a later time. John 13, verses 3 to 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to watch his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Look at your neighbor and say the attitude of a servant. Someone said your attitude will determine your altitude. Let me give you a working definition of attitude. Your attitude is an outward expression of an inward feeling. An outward expression of an inward feeling. Dr. Sandy Ray, great Baptist preacher, preached a sermon entitled The Testimony of a Towel. 
he said that the crisis had risen in the life of Jesus. He was approaching the end of his earthly life. His disciples were hopeful that Jesus would assert all power and take over the lordship of the religious and political system of the nation. Right away, they started trying to position themselves for the prospective empire. We find that in the book of Luke. You can read it at another time. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. You see this played out. It was during this time that Jesus raised the question, would you rather be the one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? Now let's be honest, most of us would have said, I'd rather be the one that eats the dinner than to serve the dinner. But Jesus raised that question. Would you want to be the one that would eat the dinner or serve the dinner? And then look what he says. He said, I am among you as one who serves. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God of the universe, the creation of heaven and earth. The one who said, let there be, and there was. So I'd rather be one who serves, who serves. You see, church, servanthood, in our servanthood, we must adopt the selfless attitude of Jesus. In our servanthood, we must adopt the selfless attitude of Jesus. You see, a servant seeks to meet the real needs of others. And when we look at Luke 22, we will discover that greatness in the kingdom is never to be found in position or praise, prestige, power, or the opinion of men, but in servant life. A servant life serves, and they serve others. What do you want to be? The one who eat at the dinner or serve at the dinner? Hmm. Well, church, this brings us to our scripture text today found in John 13. Here we see 
the selfless attitude that Jesus displayed. Donna Barnhouse said, love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that stoops is grace. Grace stoops. This is exactly what Jesus did. He stooped. So you see, a servant is one that is willing to stoop. Uh, it's amazing, church, when you read in Luke and John 13 as well. These disciples have spent all this time with Jesus and still missed the essence of what he was about. Spent all this time with Jesus. Almost three and a half years. And they still missed the essence of what he was about. They were so caught up with position, power, and authority that they missed the essence of what Jesus was about. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to church all my life and hear sermon after sermon, teachings after teachings, and still miss the point. Still miss the point. No wonder Jesus said, don't be just hearers of the word, be doers of And the way that I know that you really heard it is by what you do. You have to hear it with your inner ear. Are you hearing me? Going to church all your life. Mr. Point, these disciples spent all this time with Jesus. With Jesus. Can I say it one more time? With Jesus. And still miss the point. I'm sure Jesus' heart was broken. And he had very little time left to teach them. They had been missing what it meant to be great in the kingdom of God. Jesus, the love of God, the grace of God, didn't say, well, forget it. Let them just go on. 
I've been with them all this time and they missed the point. Let them just go on. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I know you didn't hear me as I was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. You didn't hear me when I was doing all of these things and saying all of this. So he said, let me demonstrate what true royalty is by washing your feet. Let me demonstrate it. Maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll catch it if I demonstrate it to you. Now, there are four things that I want you to notice in John 13. The title of the message, The Attitude of a Servant. Here's the four things I want you to notice. He was secure in his identification. He was honest in his revelation. He was confident in his demonstration. And he was clear in his expectation. Secure in his identification. Honest in his revelation. Confident in his demonstration, clear in his expectation. We see this in John 13. Verse 3 says this. Jesus, knowing that the, the time that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going to God. Come from God. He knew where he came from. And he knew where he was going. And he was going to God. And because of he knew about that, he was secure in his identification. One of the biggest problems that we have today is that we don't know who we are. And when you don't know who you are, it's hard to get a towel and a basin to wash feet or to do some service in general when you don't know who you are. Socrates said, know thyself. Another philosopher said, he who knows others is learned. He who knows himself is wise. You see, church, it's hard to function in this society if you don't know who you are. It's hard to function in this society if you don't know who you are. A person who doesn't know who they are 
is a very insecure person. And an insecure person has a hard time treating others fairly. There seem to be, there there is so much in this society that forces us to feel our insignificance and littleness. We live in an impersonal, computerized society. Lack of concern among people. I'm always amazed. Maybe I'm the only one. But I've seen young people, five and six of them, at a restaurant. They're all there. They're friends. They know one another. But each one of them have their computer or their iPhone or something out. No one talking to one another, no one saying anything. And I've seen them right next to one another, texting one another, sitting right next to one another. (laughs) And all of that is causing us to distance ourselves from situations. I'm old enough to know when they started when you could go outside to the ATM machine and all that and I swore that I would never use one. I like to go to the bank where they say hello to me, but I have to confess I'm out there at the ATM machine. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine, that's great. But we can't lose that personal touch. And I believe with all my heart, that's what's needed today. People need that personal touch that come from an individual and individuals that have a servant heart that loves God and serves God with all their heart. They leave that personal. It doesn't have to be a lot said. It could be a hello. But it's that personal touch. It's important. I told him in the other service that I remember years ago, I'm ta- when I say years, I'm talking about over 40 years ago, but yet it's, oh, 45 years ago, over that even. But it's still etched in my mind. I, can't, I see the individual like it was yesterday. I was in Memphis, Tennessee at this large church, big church. Several was just about over the pastor walked out. And I tried to speak to him, and he wouldn't even speak. I haven't forgotten that. It's still in my mind. But if we had a servant heart, And if he had a servant heart, he could at least say hello. Are you with me? 
Because you see, there's no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. All of you are important. Now look at your neighbor and say, I am important in the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, let's go a little further. Say, I am special in the kingdom of God. See, I also say that I never met a man that I was not inferior to in some way or another. I never met a man that he didn't have something that I didn't have. But at the same time, I have something that he don't have. Because that's the way we are in life. You are needed. You're important in the kingdom of God. And, and the story is told about an orchestra playing. The conductor stopped suddenly. He said, something is missing. The piccolo player stood and said, I don't think I was very important. You can hear me over all the other noise of the orchestra. The conductor said, oh, yes, I can. If I don't have the piccolo, the sound isn't complete. Hear that, church. If I don't have the piccolo, the sound isn't complete. And you may be a piccolo player, but it doesn't matter where you are or how little or big the sound you make. You are important to the whole scheme of things. You're important to the whole scheme of things. Know yourself. Know who you are in God. And the question again is, do you know who you are and where you came from? Jesus was secure in his identification. The scripture said he came from God. Brothers and sisters, I am a creation of God. God made me and he made you. You didn't come from an ape or a monkey. When I pray, I pray, our Father which art in heaven, not our Father which are in the coconut tree. God is our Father. And where you're going is really up to you. Because God made you a free moral agent. You make the choice. God's purpose is for you to go to heaven. The devil's purpose is for you to go to hell. It depends to whom you yield as to where you're going. Jesus said, I came from the Father and I am going to God. He was secure in his identification. Secondly, verse 4 says, He rose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel, and gird himself. 
He was honest in his revelation. Honest in his revelation. The scripture said he laid aside his garment. He took off his garment. You see, we can see the real him. We can see truth. We can see the unveiling of reality. There seems to be very low truth in our society today. You see, it's our view of truth that shapes our society as well as our personal lives. Our view of truth that shapes our society as well as our personal life. The scripture said he laid aside his garment. He laid it aside. Truth and reality. It shapes many aspects of our relationship with God and others. Too often, church, too often, church, too often, folks, we hide behind our garments. We cover up our real self. But when you know who you are and where you came from, when you know that God has a plan and purpose for your life, you can lay aside your garment and take a, take a towel and gird yourself. Someone said, near to the heart, near to the throne of God, must be the footstool of humility. Humility in its character is unselfishness. Pride is essentially selfish. Some of us can't pick up a piece of paper in the church because we have our garment on our garments on. Some cannot get a dustpan and a broom because we have our garments on. Some can speak to a, a newcomer to the church, a new person coming in because we have our garments on like that pastor I told you about. We can't even say hello because we have our garments on. We can't serve in any capacity in the church because we have our garments on. We need to lay aside our garments and gird ourselves 
with a towel. You see, church, no task, hear this, no task in the kingdom should ever be thought of as too small. God wants us to become a love slave of his. I love him. And because I love him, there's nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that is belief beneath me. My third point, my third point. He was confident in his demonstration. It was, his, it was in his demonstration that we see the power to heal. It was a demonstration of love. And love is always stronger than hate. And healing comes from having a clear understanding of what God is about. And when Peter, in that chapter, you read it later, when he got a glimpse of what God wanted him to do, he asked for healing in verse 9. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Hmm. Again, church, he was secure in his identification, honest in his revelation, confident in his demonstration, and finally, he was clear in his expectation. Now, you know, as preacher, you want to add some things to certain things. And I talk about him being clear in his expectation. And I said, well, let me, let me see what I can say and do or that you make you understand that he was clear in his expectation. And then I said, let me read the scripture again. And I read it again, verses 12 through 17. And I said, you can't get any clearer than that. If I read it from the Hebrew or from the, from, 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 from the Greek or whatever, it can't get any clearer than what he meant by clearing his expectation than reading those verses. So allow me to read those verses to you for a moment. Listen to him. When he has finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Lord have mercy. See, I want to preach right there, just a little bit, but I don't have the time. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Is that clear? I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, 
Very truly, I tell you, brother, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Can I say that one more time? You will be blessed if you do them. Clear in his expectation. His expectation is that you go and do what he showed you to do. And humbling yourself. Taking up a towel. And be a servant of God. Church, the way to royalty is service. The way to greatness is ministry. The way to power is humility. The way to position is serving. And the way to rule is giving. The attitude, the attitude, the attitude of a servant. An attitude of a servant. Let's bow our heads. We pause a moment <clears throat> to say thank you, Lord, for loving us and for showing us the way. The way to humility, the way to servanthood, the way that we should be concerned about others as well as ourselves. Grace stooped. You stooped. Help us not to be so prideful. So lifted up in ourselves that we can't stoop. Apply your grace to our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And help us to be all that we ought to be in you. We thank you for the comforter who comes alongside of us to help us to be what we could not be and to do what we could not do. Thank you for that, Lord. I praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Notice in your connection card here, you have it here before you. There's an area at the bottom of the right-hand corner that I'm standing in. Right? My response to the message let me suggest that I would put there, I will serve someone other than myself this week. I will serve someone other than myself this week. God bless you. And may God continue to use you in this kingdom. <laughs>